Whether you're a dad, you're celebrating a dad or a lost dad, let's all get home. A plea from police after a hit and run in Burnaby claims the life and the major clue left behind. Plus, it's all political. It's all somebody flexing their muscles. Possible border closure casualty. Point Roberts only grocery store is hanging by a thread ahead of a federal announcement this week. And this is one of the first weekends it's felt like something like the before times. As the heat settles in and some restrictions are out, how British Columbians are enjoying some semblance of normal. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. I'm Neetu Garcha. Burnaby RCMP are looking for the driver involved in a deadly hit-and-run crash this weekend. A motorcyclist was killed last night following a collision with a vehicle. As Grace Key reports, a large clue was left behind that helped find the suspect vehicle. Well, the collision happened just at the intersection behind me here at Canada Way and Imperial Street. So investigators have been here all day. They did bring out a drone and they canvassed the neighborhood. The call came in at 9.45 Saturday night as a hit and run between a Harley and a 2002 black Honda Accord. First responders performed CPR on the motorcyclist. The man in his late 50s was transported to hospital where he later died. And just around the corner, the Honda's bumper with the license plate still attached was found. One neighbor says he heard a loud scraping noise. He looked out his window, heard the driver swear back up to dislodge the bumper and then speed off. The Honda Accord was located two hours later nearby unoccupied. No arrests have been made yet. The initial investigation shows the suspect vehicle rear-ended the motorcycle before fleeing the area. The motorcycle was hit from behind, uh, so that caused the, the motorist to um, fly, I guess, off the motorcycle. And uh, and it actually, uh, because of the speed it was going, I, I don't can't say it was speeding, but I mean, Canada Way, when you're driving there, you can go pretty quick. Uh, it it skid it skidded along the, the road uh, quite a, quite a distance uh, before the the other vehicle passed it and uh, fled the scene. It's unclear if speed or alcohol were factors. If you witnessed the crash or may have dash cam video and were in the area between 9:30 and 10 o'clock Saturday evening, you're asked to contact RCMP in Burnaby. Grace Key, Global News. Now to more brazen gun violence on the Lower Mainland. This time, someone opened fire at a moving vehicle in Newton last night. A Jeep ended up crashing into a pole near 128th Street and 76th Avenue in Surrey after 8.30 p.m. RCMP say officers had responded to reports of shots fired by the occupants of a silver SUV at those in a white Jeep in the 7300 block of 128th Street. Both vehicles sped away before the bullet-ridden Jeep collided into the pole. The driver and passenger of the Jeep, an 18- and 19-year-old males, ran away but were taken into custody later on. They are both known to police and the occupants of the SUV remain at large. Fortunately, no one was hurt. Seeing a brazen act of a shooting like this in public is it's always very disappointing. Um, they're choosing to put members of the public and the community at risk anytime they partake in these kind of activities. Our general investigation unit has assumed conduct of this investigation and uh, they are committed to holding those responsible accountable for their actions. 
Police believe the attack was targeted and is tied to drug trafficking and gang conflict. If you're a witness or have dash cam footage, you're asked to call Surrey RCMP. A marathon vaccination clinic in Surrey, largely aimed at administering first doses, only has about an hour left to go. As Amadagahi reports, it looks like they're very close to achieving their goal of 7,000 shots in arms. 32 hours non-stop. The music, the vibe, and through-the-night walk-ins and appointments all designed to push Fraser Health's vaccination rate higher and higher. We're trying to reduce barriers, uh, you know, enable people to come and get in. And so we thought, you know, if we keep this running overnight, maybe that's a population that had trouble getting in uh, initially. They've been calling it a vaxathon from 11 a.m. Saturday morning all the way through to 7 o'clock Sunday night. As of this afternoon, Fraser Health had administered 6,000 of their goal of 7,000 COVID-19 vaccines, the majority first doses, but those eligible for their second shot were also immunized by appointment. We're trying to make it a, a welcoming experience, when, you know, and uh, get the message out there again that we really want to create this immunity in our community. The lines and eagerness grew as the weekend went on. Many like Koljeet Singh embracing a vaccination on Father's Day. So the special thing is like he's very secure now, 100% vaccinated. Um, just get vaccinated, do our part, go hang out for Father's Day. Prior to this weekend, more than 76% of all adults in B.C. had received at least one dose of vaccine. And those behind Fraser Health's Vaxathon are trying to contribute to a push of more than 80% heading into July. I'm Adagahi, Global News. The federal government is expected to announce some new travel rules tomorrow. Canada's public safety minister, Bill Blair, took to Twitter on Friday, saying updated measures for fully vaccinated Canadians, permanent residents and others permitted to enter the country will be provided on Monday. The Canada-U.S. border closure to non-essential travel was extended until July 21st. Border communities have been watching closely to any news of the U.S.-Canada border even partially reopening. That includes those, those in Point Roberts, the tiny Washington state enclave that has struggled during the past year. As Paul Johnson reports, it's feared a community mainstay has only days left before it will be forced to close permanently. If you're wondering who's been hit hardest by the extension of the border closure, you don't have to look very far. Consider the story of our neighbors in Point Roberts. It's like somebody just punched me in the gut. Allie Hayton owns the Point Roberts Marketplace, the only grocery store there. She says the losses piling up from 15 months of a closed border mean she may have to shut down as soon as July 15th. Everybody thought for sure, if not June 21st, for sure by July 1st. So we thought we'd get a full summer and we could start recovery mode. Separated from the lower 48 by water, Point Roberts residents are possibly the most binational people anywhere in the continent, with the border closure separating them from family, dentists, vets, you name it. The loss of their sole grocery store would only be the latest indignity they've had to endure. We haven't yet reached high enough thresholds of second dose vaccinations. Now we are getting there, we're getting there quickly, but that's why we're looking at a phased approach 
to uh, easing border restrictions. Well, they understand Ottawa's concerns. What's baffling to them is how no one in any government has been able to figure out a safe workaround for the 800-odd people here, practically all of them fully vaccinated. To many here, Canadians are thought of as their closest allies and trading partners. The country that rescued American hostages from Iran in the 70s and took care of their airline passengers after 9-11. Leaving Point Roberts isolated for this long feels to them like a lack of imagination, leadership and compassion. It's, it's all political. It's all somebody flexing their muscles and saying, you want this and, and we don't, so we're going to say no. And it makes, they don't care about the people there. None of them care about the people there if they won't do something. Paul Johnson, Global News. A large early morning house fire in Burnaby displaced five people. Crews say they were called in around 2.30 a.m. to a two-story home on Lindhurst Street. Three people and their dog managed to make it out safely, but one cat was unaccounted for. There is extensive damage to the roof. Crews say they believe it was sparked from the back of the house. Fire investigators are now looking into what caused that fire. The building was burning throughout the roof, and uh, it took us a long time to put it out. Uh, you can't make an interior attack when you have fire above you, so our crews fought it all from outside. It appears to have started from the back. There's a big deck, and that looked like the worst fire when I arrived, but that's a guess. And a late-night fire has caused extensive damage to a house in Port Moody. Crews were called to April Road and Darney Bay at about 10.30 p.m. to find a home engulfed in flames. The fire was extinguished quickly, but it took several hours to tear into the ceiling and deal with hot spots. Those who live in the home have now been displaced. The cause of the fire is under investigation. The province's police watchdog is now investigating an officer-involved crash on Saturday. The Independent Investigations Office says an unmarked police cruiser struck a pedestrian at 202 Street and 32nd Avenue in Langley. It happened around 2.15 in the afternoon. The person sustained serious injuries and now requires surgery. If you have any information or dash cam footage, you're asked to contact the IIO. Fire crews say they made good progress on a wildfire near Lytton thanks to cooler temperatures on Saturday. The George Road fire is burning outside of Lytton. 77 firefighters, nine helicopters and two pieces of heavy equipment are battling the blaze. The fire is now three and a half square kilometers in size. Officials are now working on a long-term plan to manage the fire as it gets hotter and drier. Well, this Father's Day arrives on the first weekend that British Columbians can gather outside in larger groups as pandemic restrictions ease during step two of our restart plan. And as Kristen Robinson reports, the freedom comes amid a short-lived heat wave. BC is bouncing back. Kitts Beach sizzling Sunday amid a sea of sunbathers basking under newly eased restrictions. It feels amazing because it's about time. That feels really nice because we've been missing this for a while. Friends and families free to gather outdoors with up to 50 people in time for Father's Day. It's nice to know that everyone here being fully vaccinated, we're not putting anyone else at risk. To be able to spend time with your family and friends that you haven't seen for a long time, I mean, that's what life's about, right? It comes as a mini heat wave hits the south coast, with temperatures expected to be 5 to 10 degrees above normal 
through Monday. Social distancing shining in Mission, where classic cars, trucks and motorbikes hit the streets for a Father's Day parade after the car show was canceled. It's getting hot and it's getting people kind of in the mood and get out and have some fun. This is one of the first weekends it's felt like something like the before times. Patios are packed as hard-hit restaurants and bars hope the return of longer liquor sales will lead to a return to normal. It's making a big difference, right? Getting to this stage in the pandemic that uh, means that some of those businesses that made it now have a chance to actually get through a return to profitability. Vancouver police are still managing crowds, but say it's too early to assess the impact of greater freedom. Although Saturday night was busy, with piles of empties creating a bitter's jackpot at Sunset Beach. With the green light to travel within BC, some are hitting the road, while others say staying close to home is the best getaway. This is our holiday plans. This is as far as I feel like it's, it's, uh, we feel safe to go. Kristen Robinson, Global News. And meteorologist Yvonne Schell will have more on how long this heat wave will last just ahead. But first, a reminder that while it may feel like summer in the city, conditions in the mountains can be very different. Two women ran into trouble while hiking on Mount Seymour's Pump Peak on the North Shore today. They encountered snow in the higher elevations and one of them slipped and hurt her neck. North Shore Rescue was able to find the injured woman and perform a helicopter rescue. But volunteers are urging others to be prepared. Even though it's a, obviously really blue skies and warm weather out there, still snow up there. And so it's important that people uh, have their bearings and have uh, proper footwear with them. And, uh, and that'll just increase their level of safety, both you know, in their mind and actual real uh, safety so it uh, will uh, eliminate or at, at the very least reduce their chances of falling. Important reminders. All right, coming up, respect and reconciliation. The BC community's canceling Canada Day celebrations and what one councillor voting against that has to say. And lower mainlanders flock to the Okanagan. Local reaction to what some are calling an official kickoff to summer. Stay with us. Port Hardy is cancelling its Canada Day celebration this year after the local Chamber of Commerce withdrew from hosting and participating. In a letter to Port Hardy's mayor, the chamber said it was well into planning for the July 1st event, but believed holding the celebration would not be appropriate or respectful considering the tragic discovery at the former Kamloops Indian Residential School. The mayor and five of six councillors approved a motion to cancel the festivities. The chamber suggests Port Hardy instead use the funds to support the local Indigenous community. John Tidbury, the only councillor who opposed the motion, says this year's event was to be small, with the rotary float driving around town and a flag raising. I don't believe you can correct two wrongs with the right. Cancelling Canada Day just as if it was recommended to cancel all future Sunday Catholic gatherings, neither would be acknowledged any of those tragedies decisions that took place. Rather, they compound bad decisions with more bad decisions. 
and the city of Penticton has also canceled its Canada Day celebrations this year. The city said in a statement that out of respect for Indigenous communities who are grieving, it's important that Canada Day activities honour the history, culture and traditions of Indigenous communities. Given time constraints and ongoing gathering restrictions, the city is not able to offer Canada Day activities that it considers appropriate. The City of Victoria announced that earlier this month their online celebration was being cancelled following the Kamloops discovery. And Festivals Kelowna has also announced that their celebrations have been cancelled because larger outdoor gatherings will only be permitted on July 1st at the earliest and much more planning time is needed. The Father's Day weekend turned into a bit of an unofficial kickoff to summer in the Okanagan after regional travel restrictions within B.C. were eased. The first weekend of relaxed travel rules saw some tourism operators reporting a boost in business. But as Megan Turcato reports, not everyone is ready to venture further afield. Lots of people outside enjoying a sunny Father's Day in the Okanagan. They have more options to celebrate with COVID-19 restrictions recently relaxed. As of Tuesday, British Columbians were no longer limited to travelling only within their region of the province. I think it's uh, very, very good. A lot of people haven't seen their families and they probably are yearning to, uh, to see them. So I think it's a great thing. For some, province-wide travel is already translating into a boost in business. You know, it's been really exciting. We've, we found right after, and I call her Auntie Bonnie, uh, said it was okay to travel in between the uh, uh, health districts that our phones started ringing off the hook. This Oyama bike shop says it was sold out of rental bikes Friday and Saturday. Seeing lots of local travel, but people coming up from the coast and from other, other parts of British Columbia as well. Down the street, the OKF Grill is doing a brisk business in ice cream and burgers. The owner credits the sunshine as much as the relaxed travel rules. Still, the ease in restrictions is welcome news. Oh, there should be an uptick. You know, I mean, May and, May and June were a little soft opposed to normal. Uh, we, we'll see. I don't know if everybody's raced here uh, this weekend already or not. Um, but it certainly will help. I imagine for the end of June, beginning of July, there's going to be uh, the masses upon us again. Some travellers were quick to venture out of their region on the first weekend province-wide recreational travel was allowed. It's been pretty quiet so far, which is wonderful, um, but it's really nice to get away from home just a little bit. Um, but I completely support whatever is the best thing for us. If we have to shut down again, that's what we do. But some locals say even after getting the go-ahead to travel around B.C., they'll be sticking close to home for now. Still a bit cautious, but you know the door is opening. Second shot was last week, so towards the end of the month, I guess I'm bulletproof if there's such a thing. And uh, yeah, that uh, we'll start thinking about it, but we just want to see a few more things settle down first. More travellers may soon be eyeing Okanagan travel. BC public health officials could be sanctioning Canada-wide travel as early as July 1st. Megan Turcato, Global News. Coming up, dropping yearbook distribution. I feel that um, they missed the mark with what, what they were trying to do. Why a two-page spread featuring black students is coming under fire. Plus. My uh, father, he was a wrestler at John Oliver. Following in her father's footsteps, the BC student heading south on a scholarship and making history in women's wrestling. 
In Toronto, police are trying to piece together what happened after a shooting at a one-year-old's birthday party in Rexdale sent three children and one man to hospital. As Catherine Ward reports, the community is shocked at the violence and people are calling for more action to be taken. This, this is a horrific, horrific situation. It could have been worse. They could, there could be three dead children. A birthday party on a warm evening with balloons and bouncy castles the night before Father's Day. It's disgusting. They have no respect and it hurts my heart. Like, I couldn't even sleep last night to, you know, to just think about, like, how someone could actually come at a one-year-old birthday party and do this. Toronto police say shots were fired just before 8 p.m. Saturday, hitting a one-year-old boy, a five-year-old girl, and an 11-year-old boy, as well as a 23-year-old man. It was horrific. You, you know, you're seeing lights, it, it, it's a disarray, everybody's confused. You don't know who's who, you don't know who got shot because by that time it outside is getting dark. It's hurtful. Emmeline Redhead says she had just stepped inside the house when the chaos started. Everybody was screaming, everybody was running. Um, my son had just, like he, as I said, we walked out of the house, so he was in front of me and then when I heard it, I, I screamed out and I told him stop. And then I tell him, get in the house. She was one of several people who comforted the injured girl, who was also a friend to her son, saying, You're okay. Um, you're going to be okay. We're just waiting for the ambulance. Just stay awake, okay? People in the community tell Global News the five-year-old had surgery this morning and the one-year-old has been released from hospital. Police have yet to confirm those details. No word on the other victims. Much of Sunday was spent gathering evidence and reviewing security footage as the crime scene expanded. Police say they are looking for multiple suspects but have not released any descriptions. And while Toronto's mayor and Ontario's premier issued messages of support, Advocates say more needs to be done. They were talking about proper representation, people listening to them when they call the office, they need proper response. They don't like promises not kept. They're sick and tired of Tired of the violence and tired of innocent children getting caught in the middle. Catherine Ward, Global News, Toronto. A yearbook or an annual is one of the best reminders of your time in high school, but a South Calgary high school has halted distribution of this year's yearbook after concerns were raised over two pages that feature black students. Carolyn Curry de Castillo has more. The last days of school at Joan Cardinal Schubert High School have students and parents talking about this year's yearbook. Two collage pages specifically, they feature pictures of black students with the caption, JCS black students represent influence. I think what they were trying to do was correct. You know, I just feel that it came across a little wrong and I feel that... Um, they missed the mark with what, what they were trying to do. The executive director of Black Lives Matter YYC questions why the school decided to single out black students. I think instead of looking inclusive uh, and diverse, it just kind of looked more like tokenism and like a desperate attempt to look diverse and inclusive. Some students we talked to called it weird and awkward, while others were okay with it because students were involved in creating the pages. But it turns out there was enough pushback for the school to take action. According to the Calgary Board of Education, JCS High School has now paused distribution of the yearbook as they explore options for reprinting the pages that have caused concern. The, the goal here is, is integration. And I just feel that that kind of segregated uh, the black students in the school. 
Um, but again, I don't, I don't think that that was their intention. The CBE says like all high schools, the JCS yearbook was designed by students under the supervision of staff volunteers. The two pages in question were designed by students who participated in a focus group of racially diverse students. KL hopes this can be a learning opportunity for everyone and that schools consider different ways of recognizing diversity. Just showing a whole bunch of people of color or just showing the school in its entirety rather just say we are diverse rather than try to show it the way they did i think that's where they tripped up is trying to show like hey look we have black students here the cbe says the school has received feedback from students and parents and will continue to consider the impact of the project on students and families and how to improve in the future this year joan cardinal schubert school created a diversity council and a diversity policy that outlines expectations for all school community members carolyn curry de castillo global news coming up next commemorating first nations art and culture when I carry my name, Halakton, I am taught to carry that name in a good way. The message behind this community get-together ahead of National Indigenous Peoples Day. And... You're watching Global News Hour at 6. The public appeal for information from museum staff who are after answers about this anchor. That's just ahead. But first, Monday is the 25th annual National Indigenous Peoples Day and residents on the North Shore got an early start to this year's festivities. Some activities highlighting Indigenous artists were held today at Ambleside Park, which is on the traditional territory of the Squamish Nation. Families could learn about such crafts as wool weaving and woodworking techniques. A carver with the Squamish Nation was able to share his wisdom with some kids. For me, it's Indigenous Day every day, and I always share our culture because that's what I do in my life. I, I'm a full-time artist, and I work with people and schools or whoever, and uh, just share about who we are. We're all one human being. There was also an opportunity to paddle in the traditional waters in canoes. All right, let's bring in meteorologist Yvonne Shell now for a look at the forecast. I love that sentiment. It is Indigenous Peoples Day every day, Yvonne, but today and tomorrow, especially for those celebrations, seems like perfect timing to be outdoors. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to be on the water as well to get out in the canoe. Uh, temperatures so soaring, that's the big weather story that we're following. We still have a special weather statement that is in effect, and I'll show you some of the numbers and what we can anticipate even as we get into uh, towards tomorrow and early next week. There's that range, so closer to the water, a touch cooler, but then away from the water, up to 20. 27 Burnaby. That's where our studio is and many spots stretching in towards the Fraser Valley. Seeing those temperatures getting up to 30 degrees. Cultus Lake today up to 33 and Agassiz into the low 30s and similar for the interior where the heat is going to start to move in especially over the next few days. A quick glance at what it looks like outside. Temperatures are currently sitting at 22. A bit breezy especially for areas that are closer to the water and we'll see those winds this evening and similar for tomorrow. Right now it is northwesterly up to 24 kilometers per hour. Highs today, so 23 was the high, but away from the water and the humid exit was feeling into the low 30s, not quite record-breaking, 28 degrees. And that was set back in 2004, and we're officially welcoming summer this evening, just uh, closer to 8.30. Now, overnight tonight, we do have clear conditions. We'll dip down to 16 degrees. And then towards the afternoon tomorrow, there's that range in temperatures, 25, away from the water up to 31. And with the humid exit, it'll feel like 35 degrees. It's all courtesy of Ridge of High Pressure that'll continue 
continue to build. Now, the south coast will see the peak of the heat for tomorrow. That's one of the hottest days. But then the warm area is going to push its way in towards the interior, and it picks up once again as we look ahead Friday, Saturday, and in towards next weekend. So all areas that are in grey, that's Metro Vancouver, Fraser Valley, and stretching along the Sunshine Coast, still seeing 5 and up to 10 degrees above the normal, and that'll peak for tomorrow. We can see that on the temperature trend for Abbotsford, which is away from the water, and then the interior, it starts to heat up, even Tuesday onwards, and by next or by Friday and leading in towards Saturday, could get into the upper 30s. Quick update on the fire danger rating, and a reminder, moderate to high, so please be very diligent. It'll be dry and hot over the next few days with any outdoor activities. For the northern half tomorrow, just a very slight chance to see an isolated shower. It is hot and sunny for the central interior. The southern interior will start to see that push of heat, especially Tuesday onwards and leading in towards the end of the week. And for the northern tip of the island, still may see a bit more cloud cover for areas near Port Hardy. Hot, hot, hot seven-day forecast, so especially away from the water. It's going to feel like 35 degrees. And as we get into early next week, we'll continue to see that. And then it'll warm up once again for our Friday onwards. Nithu? Ooh, good to know. All right. Thanks so much, Yvonne. Well, the city of Victoria wants your help to solve a maritime mystery. Take a look. This anchor was just refurbished by crews in the capital city and installed on Dallas Road at Douglas Street. It's believed the historic hook came from the Inner Harbor in the 1960s and 70s, but officials don't know much more than that. They're hoping someone who knows the story behind the anchor will come forward. It's certainly beautiful. Yes. A lot of anchors here, but just not. <laughs> <laughs> not Absolutely. the same. <laughs> not the same indeed. But hopefully somebody will come forward. We'll keep an eye on that. Also, Barry, you're keeping an eye on a lot in the sports world today. What's coming up? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of high hopes for Mackenzie Hughes to uh, bring Canada its first ever U.S. Open championship. But uh, like many others before him, the pressure and just the difficulty of the U.S. Open was just a little much. So Mackenzie did not win it, but it was a, a great comeback and a wonderful finish. We'll have highlights of that and hear from the winner coming up and the Habs and Vegas on the ice now for Game 4 of their series. We'll have highlights of that as well. All right, looking forward to those recaps. Thanks, Barry. Also coming up, a Kamloops bishop speaks out. we like to have a long-lasting reconciliation how he thinks the Pope should play a role in reconciliation next. The demolition of a former residential school building in northern B.C. has been postponed after animal remains were found there. The Deludena Council says it has cancelled a ceremony that was set for Monday to mark the demolition of the school in Lower Post, which is near the B.C.-Yukon border. A $13.5 million community centre was set to replace the building, which many local elders feared as a place where they suffered physical and sexual abuse. A recent outbreak of COVID-19 cases in the Yukon and the discovery of the animal remains influenced the decision to reschedule the demolition. It has been about three weeks since the discovery of more than 200 unmarked graves at a former residential school in Kamloops was announced. Responsibility for operating the school and residents rested with a Catholic religious order. Now the current leader of the Diocese of Kamloops, who arrived in the city decades later, believes there needs to be true reconciliation with First Nations. Chad Klassen of CFJC News has more. In the aftermath of 215 unmarked graves being found at Tecumloops to Shequetmik, Bishop Joseph Nguyen has been humbled. By looking back with sorrow and learn and look forward with hope. 
Bishop Nguyen has met with Kamloops Chief Roseanne Kazmir about what happened to First Nations children at the Kamloops Residential School. To offer my uh, deepest uh, sympathy and also uh, um, very profound apology. Even though I know nothing about the history of, of Canada many years ago, but now I am here to serve my diocese. Kazmir says it's been a good relationship with Bishop Nguyen since he came to Kamloops in 2016. However, the First Nation is still looking for an apology from the Vatican. And that it be meaningful. But, you know, we're looking at um, further discussions and, you know, looking at ways to um, have a more positive um, dialogue and, and some steps moving forward, you know, for our elders. Bishop Nguyen says Pope Francis wants the apology to be personal and during a face-to-face -face meeting with Indigenous leaders. He adds the Pope wants there to be true reconciliation. The, the Pope like to listen directly from Indigenous people. A delegation of First Nations leaders from Canada was supposed to have traveled to the Vatican, but COVID-19 prevented it. Bishop Nguyen says the plan is still to meet, and he hopes in the wake of 215 remains found in Kamloops that Kazmir and other local leaders will be invited to make the trip. Jack Klassen, CFJC News. Coming up, making women's wrestling history. So I'll be like one of the first like female like wrestlers the Surrey student that secured a full-ride scholarship at a top U.S. program. That inspiring story, next. The special stories that shape our province, as suggested by our viewers. This is BC with Jay Durant. Real people, real stories. On Global News Hour at 6. This summer is the perfect time to rediscover Metro Vancouver and try something new. From Granville Island to the Stanley Park Trails, explore Vancouver on an e-bike with Cycle City Tours. Make sure you visit any one of the city's incredible eateries before learning all about the fascinating secrets of Gastown, presented by Forbidden Vancouver Walking Tours. Departing from Richmond or Vancouver, head out on the water for a chance to view orcas and humpbacks with Prince of Wales and Vancouver Whale Watching Tours. And while you're in Richmond, don't forget to visit the many galleries or take a stroll through the fragrant fields of Lavenderland. Brought to you by Destination BC. Plan your summer getaway at explorebc.com. All right, Barry, I think all eyes, even on this Father's Day, have been on golf. But for those who didn't catch it, what are the highlights? Yep, big, uh, big day. U.S. Open, all the majors are always fun to watch, and it's always on the Father's Day weekend. Thanks, Nithu. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes was trying to make some Canadian golf history today. All he had to do was navigate the severest test in golf in the final round of the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines and hold off a who's who of the game's top stars to become the first ever Canuck to win a U.S. Open. He began the day tied for the lead and he played in the final pairing with South African Louis Oosthuizen. Last Canadian to start a final round in a major tied for the lead, Mike Weir at the 99 PGA and he shot 80. He was hoping to get off to a good start, but it didn't happen. Bogeyed three of his first six, fell to minus two, now three off the lead. And while Hughes was flailing, defending champ Bryson DeChambeau making a push, tee shot at the par three eighth and 
almost an ace, just uh, within inches of the hole, but he takes the uh, solo lead at five under with the tap-in birdie. Meanwhile, Hughes bounces back at the seventh. He is 42 feet away, and this is a uh, delightful birdie. Hughes back in this thing, just two back at three under. Then at the ninth, delicate downhiller for birdie, and he will make the putt just inside the left edge, now within one of the lead at four under. So things looking up for Mackenzie Hughes. His playing partner, Louis Oosthuizen, also birdied nine, and then at 10 from distance, South African takes the outright lead with another birdie. He's at six under, actually had a two-shot lead on the field. Back to Hughes. This is, well, unbelievable. Tee shot on the par 311th and hooks it. Way left, bounces off the cart path and into a tree, and it stays up. Amazingly, does not come down to cost him a double bogey. Fell all the way back to 15th. He finished 15th at two over after a six over 77, so a tough day for Hughes. But he wasn't alone. A lot of guys started crumbling. Brooks Kepko's won two of these things. Muffs the shot out of the deep rough. He finished tied fourth at two under. DeChambeau coming off bogeys at 11 and 12. More trouble at 13. His fourth shot out of the bunker lands by a box of beer cans. Maybe you need to chug a couple of those to calm the nerves. He really just imploded. Eight over on the back, finished tied 26th at plus three. Shocking ending there for DeChambeau. One guy who did not crumble, Spaniard John Rahm. Seven straight pars on the back, and then this. A birdie at 17, bends it in, tied for the lead at five under with Oosthuizen. Then at 18, Rom with a similar putt, 18-footer to take the lead, and again, perfect in the heart. Two clutch putts from Rom, who of course was forced to pull out of the Memorial two weeks ago when he had a six-shot lead after the third round after a positive COVID test, but now celebrates with his wife and new baby. Oosthuizen, tee shot on the 17th, and... That is trouble. Pulls it into the penalty area. That would lead to a bogey, and that was pretty much it. Oosthuizen finished second, sixth time he's finished runner-up at a major. John Rahm wins the U.S. Open, first Spaniard to ever win the U.S. Open, and his first career major. Pretty good Father's Day gift for the new dad. Adam Hadwin, by the way, tied 40th. Here's the champ, John Rahm. I'm a big believer in karma, and after what happened a couple weeks ago, uh, I stayed really positive knowing big things were coming. I didn't know what was going to be, but I knew we were coming to a special place. I know I got my breakthrough win here, and it's a very special place for my family. And the fact that my parents were able to come, I got out of COVID protocol early. I just felt like the stars were aligning, and I knew my best goal was to come. And I have a hard time explaining what just happened because I can't even believe I made the last two putts. What a finish. Meanwhile, Stanley Cup semis, game four, Habs and Vegas Golden Knights. Robin Leonard starting in goal for Vegas after Marc-Andre Fleury's gaffe cost the Golden Knights game three. Leonard makes two big saves in the first. Robs Eric Stahl, then Yoel Armia. How did Leonard get this one? He scooped it off the goal line. Now, they reviewed this, but really his glove blocks it out. No goal, and it is still scoreless late in the second in Montreal. NBA playoffs, winner take all. Game seven from Philly. 76ers and Atlanta Hawks. Trey Young with five 30-plus point games on the road in these playoffs. 
finally hits his first shot in the second quarter. He had been 0 of 6. Hawks led by 5. Seth Curry, Steph's younger brother, hits the three ball here, and it's a tight game late in the third. 65-64 is the score. Philadelphia's got the lead. The winner gets Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals. Game 1 Western Conference Finals. Clippers and Suns. No Kawhi Leonard for the Clips. He's got a knee injury. No Chris Paul for the Suns out with COVID. With those two stars out, it was a duel between Paul George and Devin Booker. George with the step back three here at 34. Tie game after three. But in the fourth, Booker takes over as he will pull up and hit the jumper here. The Suns led by eight. Clippers got back to within two in the final half minute. But Booker will seal the deal, flying in for the dunk. 40 points, 13 rebounds, 11 assists for the triple-double. Phoenix has won eight straight playoff games, and they take game one, 120-114. Euro 2020, Gareth Bale and Wales taking on Italy. Italians 2-0 start, six goals scored and none conceded. In the 39th, off the free kick, Italy gets on the board. Marco Verratti with the shot into the box, and Matteo Piscina, just the slight deflection. That was it, 1-0 Italy win. They take the pool at 3-0. Wales does finish second at 1-1-1 and advance to the knockout stage as well. The other Group A matchup, Switzerland versus Turkey. Someone had to win to have any chance to advance to the round of 16, and the Swiss got a massive match from their little big man, Jerdan Shakiri. 26th minute, Shakiri hammers it home with the right foot. 2-0 Swiss. Turkey cut the lead to 2-1, but just six minutes after they got that goal, Shakiri strikes again, this time knocking it in with the left foot, and the Swiss win this one 3-1, and with four points, they have a pretty good chance of advancing into the uh, knockout stage. The final 16, Turkey at 0-3, are eliminated. Blue Jays and Orioles from Camden Yards in Baltimore. Fifth inning, Jays put up four runs on the board. One coming on this RBI single by Randall Gritchuk. So 4-1 after five. But with that bullpen of theirs, a little insurance never hurts. Catcher Reese McGuire had a career-high four hits and two RBI, including this RBI double. And the Jays needed it. They hold on for the 7-4 win. They are back to 500 now, 35-35 and 35 after taking two of three against the Orioles. And Formula One, Max Verstappen starting on the pole for today's French Grand Prix. Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, 1-2 in the driver's standings. Final lap, Hamilton had the lead, but Verstappen did an extra pit stop, fresher tires, and he blows past Hamilton there. Max Verstappen wins the French Grand Prix, now leads Hamilton by 12 points in the driver's standings. Sergio Perez was third, Valtteri Bottas fourth. The Canadians, Lance Stroll got a point finishing 10th, and Nicholas Latifi was 18th. And that is it for sports. Me too. Back to you. Action-packed day. All right. Thanks so much, Barry. And still ahead, the BC student making history in women's wrestling. Her inspiring story, next. Our world is changing fast, but the plan remains the same. Ask the questions. Explain the answers. Provide the context. When and where BC needs it most. Global News. Navigate the now. Well, there are many proud dads out there, one of them in this triple box here, and one is also the father of Bryn Sandu. She's a high school wrestler from Surrey who's headed south on a scholarship next fall to North Michigan University, where female wrestling is making its debut. And as Jay Durant reports, it took a lot of hard work and some creative thinking to get here. Meet Bryn Sandu and her best friend from the last year. Bryn and her wrestling dummy have been spending a lot of time together. His name is Fred. 
It's actually a love-hate relationship. With no one else to wrestle against during the pandemic, Fred has been her only training partner, and he's been causing a lot of frustration. The legs don't really bend, and <laughs> the arms are just floppy. It doesn't really stand. I have to hold it up. Stop, Fred! Go, go, go! It's been almost a year and a half since she wrestled competitively. And it's a challenge for athletes in all sports to get noticed. Yeah, that, that's perfect, yeah. Enter Team Sandu, the impromptu family production company that put her wrestling videos together that landed her a scholarship at Northern Michigan. We managed, you know, not being such a big techie. It took us a little bit of time between the whole family that we were able to actually succeed and put this sort of together for her. Nice. Sandu has done a little modeling on the side. At five foot two and just over a hundred pounds, you might not peg her as a wrestler, but don't let that size fool you. She's uh, tenacious on the mat. She's just a beast. For a little girl, she's uh, she just really works very, very hard on the mat. And even harder outside of the gym. On top of school and training, she has three part-time jobs. I work at the beach at White Rock. Um, it's an ice cream shop called Maya's. And then I coach kids in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu out in White Rock as well. And then I also work at an acupuncture office. But next year at Northern Michigan, it's down to academics and athletics. She can say goodbye to Fred forever and focus on some real competition. Finally, because her coach sees big things ahead. I will not be surprised if I don't see her winning the nationals and then going to the worlds and placing. Jay Durant. Global News. Ooh, that technique, incredible. Great story. Mm -hmm. No, we got a lot of great wrestlers in uh, BC who've won yeah. Olympic medals and such, so continuing the tradition. Good to see. Absolutely. Incredible talent, making her father proud. And on that note, Barry, a very happy Father's oh, Day to thank you. thank you. You guys could be my daughters here. <laughs> I'm that old. Well, don't know about that. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> and to all the father figures out there as well. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, everybody.